0: Hello and welcome to Tales from the Hook. My name is Katie Kelleher, aka Katie Cranes, and I am going to be your host for the next half an hour. In this podcast, I'm going to be deep diving into the construction industry. I'm going to be looking into topics such as skills, apprenticeships, some interesting life journeys, and everything in between. Who knows what may happen? This podcast has been very kindly sponsored by our friends over at Libra. If you want to find out more about Libra's products or brilliant innovations, please click the link at the bottom. Today on Tales from the Hook, we have Rich Smith, a man with a passion for construction and an understanding about inspiring the next generation. Rich has worked in construction for the last 10 years, is recently, well, I say recently, a published author, currently working as a pre-construction director for Kelpro. Welcome to the show, Rich. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you for coming on. Um, it's all I think it's all really exciting. Everything that you're doing at the moment, and I know uh, me and you, we talk on LinkedIn quite a lot, and we have a lot yeah. of the same passions about inspiring yeah. young people and getting people into the industry. So, what I want to know from you is how you got into the industry. How did your construction journey start?
1: Yes yeah sure so like you um i was born in the northeast so born and raised in Sunderland. um family are all still there now um and kind of going back pre-joining construction i guess um i've i feel like i've always been a bit of a jack of all trades master of none really um that was certainly the case through school um i kind of you know did did okay didn't do quite as well as i should have done because i was a bit more into sport and socializing and everything else being the class clown um but you know did did all right did well enough um moved down to loughborough uni so left the northeast came down to loughborough at 18. I did a bit of a generic degree I think really. Um, it was a bit of IT, a bit of business, a bit of marketing. Um, I think going into that I didn't really know what I wanted to do but I have- felt I should go to university. That was kind of the encouraged route. Um, so did that but as I say without, without having that sort of specialism i found choosing a degree quite hard actually i wasn't kind of drawn to anything in particular um so took quite a rounded degree which has you know served me fairly well i would say um and i then went into the it industry after uni um so i met my now wife at loughborough um, which is probably the best thing I got out of there. Um, so when we graduated, we moved um, across to Telford in the West Midlands for um, a graduate job that, that I took, um, which was in IT and it was fine, but I think I sort of realized that I probably wasn't gonna spend my career in IT um, and, and indeed consultancy. It, wasn't, it just wasn't quite for me really. Um, so, did the, did the grad scheme there, that took me through about 18 months, two years, um, and then I was looking for a job that was going to offer me something a bit different, I guess, away from the consultancy world I'd been in. Um, so I took a service desk manager job um, in Leicestershire, and it was actually for aggregate industries. Nice. So that was when I joined the industry, if you like, albeit not in a um, construction related role or indeed anything kind of to do with what they were doing. It was obviously a support role. Um, But I suppose the thing that attracted me then was size of organisation. Firstly, you know, big organisation, a lot of opportunity, um, very varied sites, a lot of mobile stuff. um, And it just felt like like a good opportunity for me really but i think like you know i know you've talked about it on the podcast before yourself and with others that i really did fall into construction it was never you know it was never the plan um i don't really know what the plan was but it certainly wasn't construction um i i'm not an engineer i've never been an engineer i never will be an engineer you know it's kind of not it's not what i do but once, once I was at um, Aggregate industries you, you kind of, I don't know, you can't help but sort of get interested in the industry and what it's all about and, you know, seeing things um, being built and seeing everything that goes into that. And I think what struck me while I was there, um, if you imagine I'm kind of in central IT, so I'm speaking to people across the business on a daily basis, and they're all in such varied roles, like massively varied, like no two people are doing anything remotely the same as each other. Um, and I think that was when I realized that actually if I could get into the business as opposed to in central IT, I've got a good chance of finding something that I like really enjoy. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed my job in IT, but it, it always felt a bit short term for me, really. Um, so I moved out into the business, in inverted commas, um, and I did my first sort of role, I guess, was a bit of a hybrid in that it was rolling out mobile technology into one of the business units. So it kind of bridged the gap between the two, yeah. which was great. Um, but then after a little while and then talking to people, which is, I guess, you know, what ultimately I seem to be making a living out of now, um, I sort of found myself in this world of pre-construction as I now know it. Um, so business development, tendering, um, this whole world that to be perfectly honest, I had no idea existed, um, didn't know it was there, didn't realize that you had people with these skills in these businesses. Um, and yeah, I guess it's kind of become, become a home for me now, really. Um, so I did that for quite a few years at AI. Um, then moved across into the kind of main contractor market. So I moved to North Midland construction as it was at the time, um, doing the kind of doing that pre-construction business development type role as my day job, if you like, um, but then I was also doing a lot of the marketing side as well. Um, so I looked after the rebrands from North Midland construction to NMCN as it was at the time. Um, unfortunately, you know, as we know that didn't end, um, didn't end very well. And in October of last year, um, NMCN sort of collapsed if you like and and that was the end of that end of that chapter um but you know really fortunately for me and those that I work with um our business unit moved across to Kelpray um so we've you know just gone past a year of being with Kelpray um that's gone fantastically you know we're really growing um every, everything's going great and I'm still still in that pre-construction world which you know i just love really um it's really interesting really varied um both in terms of people you talk to but also just what you're doing you know there's just there's so much to it um and you know the team the the team have got such different skill sets between them that it's really nice to actually bring together a group of individuals and actually create something that, you know, the, sum of the parts is greater than the individuals in it. Um, so yeah, so like you fell fell into it, but have, you know, made it, made it home and, you know, don't, don't consider leaving it really.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know what, listening to your story. And how you started out—it's—it's it's very similar to my own. Mm. And you know that kind of university thing, and you felt like you had to go to university, as as did I. And I didn't really understand any other options. I didn't know about yeah. apprenticeships or any other things that were out there. And a bit like you, the advice was, you know, kind of pick something you're good at. Pick something you go, oh, well, I'm kind of good at that. I'm kind of good at that. Yeah. But you don't ever think about what's going to come after that and where it's going to lead you to and you know english literature wasn't for me evidently but um yeah and i think it's really interesting how you got into your role and how things change you know we talk about construction roles and pre-construction isn't an area that i know a great deal about it's nothing that i I deal with or that i'm in and I, i think it's really interesting to to find out about these roles that are outside of well my sphere and a lot of people's sphere of understanding of construction. You know, when when you think of construction, you're thinking of the construction site, the project manager, the site manager, the people on site. And you don't think about the work that goes in before you even get there, which I guess is where the where your job role comes in as pre construction director, which sounds very very fancy, by the way. I'm very yeah, I, very I, I senior. Don't, I, don't,
1: I don't quite know how I've been labelled as that. I definitely get called worse. Um, but yeah, I think I think the whole the whole pre construction world, you know, effectively what we're doing, we are out there looking for the future opportunities for the operational and commercial teams to take forward you know that, yeah. that that is why we exist that is what we're doing um so that ranges from you know our business development teams um who are out there meeting with clients they're attending conferences they're looking at planning applications that are being submitted um, and really just identifying opportunity, which we then put into what we call the pipeline of work. So that shows us all of the opportunity that we can see that's out there that we we could ultimately bid for. Um, and then through that engagement, we, we go into the world of tendering basically. So, so the way, the way it works is the clients will put out the opportunity to the market. Um, they might go, to everyone and anyone, and it's available for literally anybody to bid, um, or they might go through a framework. So there's a lot of frameworks that exist, which are basically a collection of contractors who have qualified for a place on the framework, which is basically like a, a first hurdle, if you like. So you get over the first hurdle, you get a place on the framework, and that means that any of the projects that go through that framework will go to one of the contractors that right. you're alongside. So you might be sat site, you know, alongside five or six others, um, and there are only those people that can bid for those projects. Um, so the job comes in and we get a bit of a brief. So the client will issue a brief of what the project is, what they're looking for, what the specifications are, what the time periods are, sometimes what the budget is. Um, and then, yeah, my, my, my team effectively builds the job Desktop stage yeah. effectively, so they go through, work out you know a program for the work, so a time for the whole whole duration. Um, we then price the whole scheme, so look at what labour we're going to need, what plant, what material, what subcontractors, and effectively we probably average about a six week period for a tender, I would guess. Um, so we've got about six weeks to build the job in in the office, if you like. Um, and then we um very often i would say most of the time now in fact there's a supporting document for want of a better expression that goes that goes with the bid so we'll, we'll submit a price for doing the work with a breakdown of of what that is we'll submit a program for the works of how quickly we think we can get it built and how that aligns to what the client was looking for. But then we also have a quality submission, it's quite often known as. um, And this document goes into great detail on you know, the methodology of the work, we provide CVs of the team that are going to be working on it, organization charts. Um, we talk about the whole social value world and what we will deliver above and beyond the asset that we're building. Um, so, we've got, you know, teams of, teams of people there, you know, we mentioned roles earlier. Um, yes, we've got, estimators you know we've got engineers we've got people who understand how to build you know say we're bidding for a bridge they understand how to build a bridge how to price it how to program it but then we've got we've got writers you know we've yeah. got people whose their, their job is a writer That that is their skill their skill set is you know writing answers bringing things to life and they will write about the project write about how we'll deliver it they look at how that aligns to the client so you know what are the clients particular values um some jobs have got a lot of stakeholder interests so how will we manage those stakeholders how will we support the client in managing their local stakeholders um, and you know going back to my time at AI I had no idea that the industry employed people who could write. You know as a, as a skill set yeah, we've yeah. got people who format those bids so graphic designers in effect who you know make this stuff come to life and make it an engaging submission to read and you know all, all of these roles and I, I guess that's what i like about pre-construction really that all of this is going on and it's all going on in a really short window of time. We've probably yeah. got like four, six, eight weeks to do it. Um, so it's quite immersive. And then you get to the point where, you know, you press submit and that's it. It's gone. It's off. <laughs> it's in the ether. The client's yeah. got it. And then the
0: nerves um, start.
1: <laughs> and and you sat waiting for feedback. And I think just seeing all of those skills and qualities across the team come together into, you know, that, that final folder that you submit. Um, is really, really rewarding, I think for everyone involved. Um, and I think for me, going back to my kind of Jack of all trades, um, analogy that I think that's maybe why I feel quite at home really in pre-construction that, you know, you can dabble with, with the price and the contract and the contract, you dabble a bit with the program and the quality aspect, the social value side, the sustainability, environmental side, you kind of, you get to cover everything, but. Fortunately for me, I've got people where, you know, that is what they do and that is their skill set and I can just kind of float around and try and help where I can, really.
0: <laughs> well, you, I, I think you've you've sold it to me anyway. Sounds fantastic.
1: We'll have you in there in no time. No, it
0: sounds, yeah. sounds fantastic. So if I'm, if I'm a young person mm. and I, I'm kind of considering my next options and I've I've listened to what this is about, how do I go about – stepping into that world that you work in what do i need any particular qualifications do i need particular training apprenticeships what what can you offer
1: yeah so i think i think the other beauty of it without sort of dodging the question is there's so many different routes in yeah so you know we've got people in the team who have gone through a kind of traditional site route inverted commas. So, you know, they've started off on site or they've gone to site having done engineering or having done quantity surveying or whatever. And, and they've got all of that site experience and then they've made the move across into pre-construction and effectively transferred all of that knowledge and are now deploying that in our little four to eight week window of a tender. Um, but then equally we've got, um, so we've got an apprentice with us in the team at the moment. Um, And she is doing a bid and proposals apprenticeship. So, you know, her skill will be literally be in tendering work. So it will be how do you manage a bid? So you get the documents in from the client, how do you distribute them? How do you manage it? How do you work out what you need to deliver back? Control the time period, the formatting, you know, so so actually the site experience and the construction experience will be picked up as they go along, but yeah. their core skill set and what they're actually doing their apprenticeship in is the tender in itself. Um, so there's there's so so many routes, but I think for me, it's trying to find people in that world and just yeah. talk to them. You know, I I've that, that's every move I've made. I think in every different job role I've done, I can trace back to the first conversation I had with somebody in that world, you know, yeah. Either yeah. in that bit of the business, in that discipline. Um, and I, I think, you know, for me, it's just trying to find what's out there and what, what you can do. And yeah, understand the possibility
0: and that I think that always comes that's one thing that always comes up and it's um, the importance of networking the importance of having discussions with people and understanding a little bit more which I think you know these podcasts are really important and finding out like especially you today and finding out what you actually do because I, I read it and I go pre-construct, okay and but I don't really know what you do no you know and well, there's and some, I'm sure some days I don't you know that's
1: that's, <laughs> that's still valid but I, but I think just just picking up on networking there I think I hate that network you, you know when you go to a conference yeah everyone stood around nobody knows anyone <laughs> yeah. and you're walking up and introducing yourself to people like I don't enjoy it. I find it a really, really awkward exchange. And I think that's what I think of when people say networking. Yeah. I think, oh, God, that's awful. I don't want to do that.
0: And that is awful because I'm with you on this.
1: Well, this is it. And and I think the point is networking doesn't have to be that. You know, like we've spoken for years now on LinkedIn from afar just – you know, that, that's networking, that's, yep. that's led it's to It's that today. connection, it isn't it,
0: with someone it else? It doesn't
1: need to be that kind of awkward room with everyone stood around. You know, it's just find an individual. Can they introduce you to somebody? Can they enable a one-to-one conversation for you? You know, it, it can be a lot easier than that, going and introducing yourself to four people stood in the corner to who rent. you don't know.
0: It is it um, and I'm with you if you ever see me at a networking event what I'll do is I'll skulk around the edge of the event I, I, be on my I think phone everyone's for a doing bit.
1: it there's so there's so few people I'm so out terrible there who actually thrive in that environment I'm sure sh- yeah. I'm madman most people are thinking God this is awful. <laughs> This is this is so. Awful.
0: This is so uncomfortable. Yeah, it is.
1: You know, and I don't know. It's I think being British and everything else. It just it's something we find quite awkward, isn't it? But but yeah, I think understanding that networking doesn't have to mean that awkward exchange. You know, it can be exchanging messages with somebody. It can be you know an introduction from someone you know really well to someone they know really well. And actually, yeah. if you can join those dots together, um, and as I say, I think every every move I've made, I can literally trace back to a conversation or an introduction or, or something that is has, has never been, in my case, oh, I met them at a conference, stood, you know, at the coffee. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just... Skulking around the edge. Yeah, this is it. Just <laughs> those awkward exchanges.
0: No, I, I'm never very good. It's um, uh, it's funny you bring it up because I always go, I go to a lot of these things, and you, I am you the be worst. A pro. This, this
1: should be this yeah, should be your I'm territory, the worst these person.
0: Days. Like I love it when people come up to me and talk because I'm yeah, not yeah. that person. I'll be round the edge. I'll be pretending to make a phone call. I'll be eating a sandwich. Yeah. I'll be sometimes I just get so uncomfortable I'll just leave
1: because
0: <laughs> yeah. I just can't deal with no, but it. This is it.
1: But like, but even even little things like that i've already like used techniques like pre pre pre-arranged to meet somebody and then at least you're in the two
0: yeah so you can then
1: kind of pick somebody else up and take them with you and you know it's all those little things isn't it but yeah I dread, I dread those kind of big rooms with everyone clinging to the edge of the room with a phone in the hand, <laughs> drinking the other hand. yeah
0: I, I always think everyone else looks really confident in that situation I think
1: it's all an act and if we're there together we can go and hunt in a two but
0: nice I like it um, no I think everything's been brilliant so far Rich and I, I love learning about about your world and hmm. what you're doing and how you work and me and you, I mean, we both talk about the importance of inspiring the next generation, which yeah. is, I, I think you've done some of that today and talking about how you got into your room and uh, now got your newly appointed director title, well, which is very, it, yeah, very swanky. Yeah. Um, now, I want to touch on your book a little hmm. bit. So uh, for the listeners that don't know, you have if you just explain a little bit about your book, what it's about.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, we've written a book called When I Grow Up and... Yeah, I suppose to, to give a bit of context, so I've got I've got two children, Harry and Isabel, um, they're seven and five now, they were, it was a couple of years ago when I first wrote it, um, and I think going back to kind of what I said about falling into construction, um, I do a lot of work at, at their school, so I'm quite involved there, so I sort of, I, I suppose it comes from a number of areas, my my day-to-day job role my role in school and my role as kind of dad ultimately um and i think seeing all of that it just opened my eyes to the fact that it's not really any different to when i was at school actually and construction isn't something that is sort of championed and people encourage um you know certainly as i was coming through school you know girls at the time ultimately women were just fundamentally not encouraged to yep. consider the industry like at all that was just kind of it did it wasn't even talked about so you know and and for boys through school ultimately you know males um it was kind of a last resort thing it was like oh well yeah. if you can't yep. if you can't go to university and you're struggling for what to do, maybe consider doing a trade. It's terrible, like, it? maybe, maybe that's a good yeah. route for you.
0: And there's that, um, there's that comment, isn't there? If you don't work hard, you're left out here like them working on that construction I,
1: You know, and don't, don't get me wrong, I, I, I realise I'm sat here and I've, you know, I've never built anything in my life and I never will and, you know, no, nobody, anyone who knows me would not want me to build anything for them either. Um <laughs> But you know, being part of the industry and seeing what's out there, I, I was passionate that it was a place we should be really trying to encourage children to consider when they're older. Um, so, so I think all of that kind of aligned. Um, I looked into things a bit more, and there was an awful lot going on around school leavers. You know, that everyone was kind of latching onto that and picking up school leavers, which is which is good. But then I think there was a recognition across the industry really and everyone involved that Ultimately, that was probably a bit late. And whilst you might catch some people, you know, decisions have been made, courses have been taken, that, you know, people are on a path by that point. So for me, that's kind of worked back. Secondary school's now getting loads better, you know, and I think, you know, certainly you're doing a lot in that space, um, inspiring them a bit earlier, which is really good. That's then going back into key stage two. So kind of upper primary school, if you like. Um, which again is good but then for me there was this gap between sort of top end of primary school Key Stage 2 and nursery where you've like preschool you've actually got some like decent stuff you know like Bob the Builder's a big deal and actually it is promoted quite reasonably at at that age but there just seemed to be this gap for me in Key Stage 1 so sort of ages 4 to 7-ish where it just seemed to like disappear like okay. construction just wasn't there. There was there was nothing, so all of that sort of gave the idea idea of a book. Um, so like all good things, spoke to spoke to Hannah, my better half, about it. Um, we kicked it around. Came up. Um, I think the original idea for the plot probably came from Hannah, to be honest. <laughs> um, so you know, kicked that around and got to the point where. I was then find myself researching, you know, how do you write a kid's book? You know, what, okay. what 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 are the ingredients? And, you know, I I can't pretend that I've got a natural flair for it, I don't think. But you know, as as you look into it, it's well, you introduce the characters, you introduce the problem, you then explore right. the problem a bit and have a happy ending. So you think, okay, well, I've got structure now. So yeah. you then start to start to build it up. I wanted it to rhyme because you know, when I pick up one of the kids' books and it rhymes, I always enjoy it more than one that doesn't. So, you know, and I think bit by bit it just started to started to come together. So, got to the point where I'd written the book, um, so I had the story, um, which was great, and then worked with um, a local designer that I was using in my day to day. Job world, so you know, um, guy called Stuart. He'd done a lot of work for me on the rebrand um, from North Midland Construction to NMCN. Yep. So we had an existing relationship there. Um, so Stuart did all of the illustrations, which really, you know, bring it to life. Let's be honest. If it was words on a page, it wouldn't it wouldn't carry the same carry the same meaning. Um, so we got to a point, and I was at NMCN at this point. Um, so we got to the point of having the book which was great um and then stupidly i think in hindsight i i branded it a little bit okay um so it, it got little nmcn logos on the helmet and yeah. we tied it into our sustainability plan um at nmcn our positive impact plan and we talked about how it was going to impact children and and everything was great and I, you know, NMCN meant a lot to me, having done the rebrand and I think it was nice to see these worlds colliding. Um, But looking at it now in hindsight, branding it, whilst it was great for NMCN, and I think we did, I could go back and check, but I think we did about 6,000 copies into Mm -hmm. school. So, you know, it, it went really well, but what it was always missing was any level of industry Engage okay,
0: with. yeah, yeah,
1: because you know, let's be honest, we're in a competitive environment, so you know, we compete against other contractors for work, it's exactly the same in the subcontract market, the same in the plant hire market. You know, we, we live in a world of competition in construction,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, very competitive.
1: And when it's got somebody else's logo on, it's such yes. a barrier, yeah, to being able to engage with it. Um, so the benefit of hindsight, benefit of lessons learned. As we've relaunched it a couple of weeks ago, we've totally debranded the whole project. Yeah. So the whole thing has got no connection to kind of kelpray as my current employer, um, and it is just a resource that is there for ev- for everybody and anybody basically. Um, so you know, what we've got, we've got a bit of a website that's got um, an animated version of the book on. We've then got the books themselves, which are available for free to the end user, if you like. So, you know, people can go on there and if they've got child, grandchild, niece, nephew, friend, whoever that they would like to sit and read this story with, they can go and get a free copy. And that is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, But what we're seeing, which is really you know um, giving me that kind of warm fuzzy feeling really is the industry seem to be saying actually you know what this is really good yes Um, yeah and I'd like to use this and um, maybe organizations who've got social value managers or you know they've got teams of people looking after school engagement um, and they're saying actually we want to buy few thousand copies and we're going to use it for all our school engagement yeah So all of a sudden the reach of the book and everything that goes with it is so far beyond what I could have done myself because yeah. there's not a thousand a day um but even me and my capacity at Calbray, so far beyond what Calbrae could have done um and we've got to this point where I think you know there is more collaboration now and there is a push for that and I think, you know, when I grew up has just timed it right, almost, in that all of that talk of collaboration and skills shortage um, is a bit of a perfect storm, yeah. I think. And, you know, we've got to a point where it's, it's really, really taken off.
0: And I think, you know, what you're talking about collaboration, when we're talking about inspiring young people and talking to young people, we talk about it a lot, but we don't do it very well because we're, like you say, we're so competitive and in that market that we don't collaborate that well on on anything on anything we have to reinvent the wheel 20 times to all get the same result yeah
1: i agree i it it's it's so hard and i think it's over such a long period of time isn't it that you know because you compete every day it almost becomes like hardwired really yes it's kind of yeah that, that's the nature and you have to fight quite hard i think to you know and, and a big thing of when i've been sort of presenting the book and resources to other organizations. I spend quite a bit of time on actually, you know, this isn't this isn't a competitive thing. You're not yes. helping yeah, yeah. me. You're not helping Calbray. You know, this this is like a greater good situation here. And actually the more people we can get involved, the more children we can reach. That's the aim. And you know what uh, I suppose what I'm trying to do is create a resource that's there for people that makes it easy to go and do school engagement, um, yeah. you know, particularly at that age. And I think, you know, uh, to give you a bit more of an example, what what we're seeing at the moment is people are using the animated version of the story. So the YouTube video yeah. for what, in effect, they're going into a school, they're showing the YouTube video, having a chat to the kids and then leaving them with a copy of the book. That's a nice. fairly typical school engagement for us. I never envisaged the video being used like that. I thought it was more for people who didn't have a book, couldn't have a book, um, maybe their, their ability or, you know, their setting meant that a book wasn't the right thing for yeah. them, um, but actually going, you know, thinking about our awkwardness point and um, networking, Some people find standing at the front of a class quite awkward. That didn't come naturally to them. (laughs) No, that's not. So for them, rather than them needing to stand and read the book, being able to play it on the screen
0: and then give copies out
1: has again made it easier for people to do. So again, you know, that's reaching another big group of children that, you know, might have missed it because somebody didn't feel confident to go and do the reading themselves. Um, I
0: think yeah, I think it's great, you know, it's um, what you're saying around this collaborative nature and that mm. people, I, I've noticed it on your LinkedIn, uh, the type of people that are commenting on there and showing interest. I've seen Murphy's and Sunbelt Group and all these <laughs> large, large companies yeah, who are exactly. genuinely interested in coming together. Do you know what I find? I mean, I did... Um, I had a young girl write to me and I managed to get all these sort of goodies from different crane companies. Yeah. She wanted to be a crane operator. I think and I remember it,
1: seeing this actually. It, it, yeah.
0: almost, it almost becomes a little bit competitive. Yeah. So what you get then is that people don't want to miss out. So they see their competitors commenting a bit like, What's happening with your book, I yeah, feel. Yeah. So their competitors are commenting and saying, we want in. And they're thinking, well, we want in as well. And yeah. you get that kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's still competitive. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's but cool. for the right reasons, yeah, yeah. for the right reasons, competitive. So once we inspire the children with your book, I, what I find is you know, like you say, we, we concentrate on the the end of the life cycle of yes. the school lever quite a lot. We can't. I mean, I've done a done a couple of primary schools, not as many as I yeah. do secondary, nowhere near as many in colleges and things like that. How do we? What's the best way as an industry that we keep the steam on, so we we keep in contact, that we keep the pressure on for the construction industry? I, I guess it's. I mean my thoughts are is talking to people like you and finding out about all the varied job roles we have. Yeah, for... I think
1: I think I think there's a lot to be done there. I think I I wonder how well we understand that generation in construction yeah. to be honest, what they're, what they're looking for um you know I, I I don't have this in in my role. I'm kind of office based um but <clears throat> you know working away from home Yep. All all the time. You know, that's been a thing in the industry for a long time. And I think post-COVID and for the next generation, that's not as high on people's agenda anymore. No, no. No, it's not. How do we tackle that? How do we tackle travel time? Yep. Um, So I think the more accessible we can make it, the more we can showcase what's in the industry. Um, You know, I I see what... um, Daniel down at Asheville's doing. You know, mm. he has grown a monstrous YouTube channel there, effectively documenting his day-to-day in construction. Yeah. Um, you know, that will be reaching a hell of a lot of, you know, teenagers who yes. are looking at, you know, what the industry holds. And and I uh, I just think, you know, the book bu- the book is great. That hits children at the right age, four to seven, storybooks, great, that engages them. What exactly as you say what we then need to do is think right when when those same children are seven to eleven yeah. what then engages them and then when they're eleven to thirteen what then engages them and we almost need to kind of map that out i think and make sure that as an industry we've got all of these access points covered and we are keeping people and taking them taking them yeah with us really
0: I agree with you and I think it's there's a there's a double-edged sword and, and you you hit the nail on the head when you said they don't want to work like that anymore. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot. They don't want to work the same way we've worked in the past and we're talking about skill shortages and we're not getting enough people into the industry. Yeah. And there's a big part about engagement and I get that. And then a little part of me almost feels a little bit guilty that I've gone into a school and I've sold a dream for a system that isn't properly set up for them. And I, I feel that sort of double-edged sword. Yeah, it's great. I love the industry. I love everything that I've been doing. But as an industry, we're very inflexible. We're very um, inflexible towards a lot of things. And, you know, our our values sometimes aren't put across correctly. And I I think the young people, as I say, are going to care a lot about values. They're going to care a lot about sustainability, what we're doing in that agenda, what we're doing around EDI. And I think it's about how we sell that to them, because there's a lot of industries that do it a lot better than we do it
1: yeah i agree and i think you know as an industry we've got so much to offer you know <clears throat> i heard you um talk previously about playing a role in some of these projects that are going to be there like forever in yeah. inverted commerce. you know so all of that benefit construction offers that other industries just can't offer like, no. there's no comparison to doing that um you know and even i feel that and i don't work to build these things you know and and i still feel proud of you know something that we've tended that we've won and then the site team have gone and built you know that's that's amazing for me so we can offer so much in that respect as an industry i think it really is about how do we get some of the benefits that other industries offer in terms of you know be it that flexibility the work-life balance the sustainability aspect the social value aspect you know how do we how do we close that gap? And I, I certainly don't pretend to have that answer or be clever enough to kind of come up with it. But I think it's just highlighting the question and making sure that as an industry we are working working on it and you know doing what we yeah. can.
0: No, I agree with you. So, as a guest of it, how many years is it going to take us to do this, Rich?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I think I, 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 suppose, I suppose the. The first thing your question makes me think of is it'll never be done. Women. yes so yeah, yeah. You know, it's a long it, project there is there is no end to it but I think you know you can see across the industry flexible working initiatives that, that are taking place you know I, I've seen um seen and read about the trials that are ongoing and you know shifts shifts in that um, and yeah. there's obviously been big shifts around in corners of the industry around paternity yes and,
0: yeah, yeah
1: and you know better balance there which which i think is great and you know I'm in a fortunate position really that whilst in the industry i'm not in the traditional roles that the industry offers so for me it is quite different you know i am office based um i'm not on site i don't need to be away living on a job so you know i'm sort of talking from a from a false starting point really but i can i can see the challenge and i can see you know those initiatives and i think as they become more mainstream um you know covid kick-started quite a bit i think in that we yes. embrace technology yeah, yeah. a lot better Definitely. um we're far better now even in what i do that i you know i travel a lot less than i used to because we're much better at you know doing things virtually and not needing to sit opposite people in in the room for everything you know don't get me wrong it's got a time and a place where you know it works far better but equally Sometimes you travel for hours on end to have a half-hour conversation. Yes, think, yeah, yeah, Actually, you know yep. what? I, I could have done that virtually. That like that would have been fine. But at pre-COVID, it just that wasn't a thing, was it? You didn't. No, do
0: that. you get in the train. You go
1: exactly. You travel and you know drive or train or whatever. So I think we're making we are making the right steps. But again, it, for me, it goes back to that collaboration across the industry. That yeah. you know it. it it's almost the whole industry needs to move that way. It can't. It can't be little pockets. You know, uh, yeah. we need everybody to be acknowledging the issue and taking those things forward.
0: Preaching to the choir, preaching yeah, to the no, choir, Rich, because absolutely. we, you know, it's like I said, we we all reinvent the wheel 20 times and even within our own companies sometimes they're that fractioned and working differently but doing the same things in different areas yeah. that we've already done it and somebody else yeah. is, it's honestly yeah it's uh, we need we need to do a lot better
1: we do we do indeed
0: uh rich where can people find your book
1: so, we have a website dedicated to the book. So, people can visit wheni Um Or, again, as people who know me, I tend to spend my life on LinkedIn. So, anyone listening to this who is on LinkedIn, you can absolutely find me on there. I can um, direct you and help you. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, wherever you are, whoever you are, I suppose that there, there is a route into the book for you, whether you're in an organization and you think, you know, we should be involved in this, we should be using it for our school engagement, whether you're in a business and you'd like to get employees a copy, whether you're considering a career in the industry and want to learn a bit more. You know, I think ultimately, everybody can engage with it somehow. Um, yeah. So I really would encourage people, please, you know, go and find out a bit more about it, get in touch. Because um, if, if, you know, if everybody does that, it really will go places. And, we and really I will think even children for children all over the country.
0: Yeah, even for individuals who are sat there and think, oh, you know, you can go and get a free copy, look it up, watch it online for yeah, your children 100%. and things like that. And it's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. One question I've got to end on for Mm. you, Rich. One question I always ask everyone at the end of this. So what's the one thing that we can all do to make the construction industry a better place for everyone?
1: Um, I I think I would pull out that collaboration aspect that we touched on a bit. I think kind of leaving... The, the kind of company logo at the door a bit more is probably what we need to do um, and, and join up. And don't get me wrong, we are making strides forward um, with that, but I just think there is far more opportunity. We don't all need to be the first to have done something you know, we, we need to get much better at embracing what others are doing, working on shared initiatives, shared research, shared deployment of, you know, innovation. Um, and, and that it'll just speed everything up, won't it? Everyone that everything, sorry, that everyone is trying to do in isolation will get there so much quicker with yes better collaboration on it.
0: Completely agree. And thank you very much for coming on today, oh, thank Rich. Thank you. Thank I you for appreciated having me. Appreciate your time. It's been very interesting for me, and I'm sure it will Good. for lots Well, of I'm
1: glad. I'm glad. And consider a role in pre-construction. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be fighting over you.
0: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Okay.